Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman, and I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News, presented by Track Barn. And today we have a ton of stuff that we have to cover for the World Championships that just happened. But before we get into all of that, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, leave a review, give us a comment. Let's us know that you're enjoying everything going on here with the podcast. And now let's jump right into it. So first, we obviously got to talk about the men's 60 meter final. So this is something that everyone, myself included, I feel we have to give Lamont Jacobs an apology. So dating back to outdoors last year, pretty much everybody on the media side counted Jacobs out when it came to the sprinting. That, you know, who is this guy? He's coming out of nowhere. He's all of these top-level sprinters, especially from the U.S., that are going to beat him. And then he shocks the world. He wins the Olympics. And everyone is like, eh, it didn't really count. He didn't go against Christian Coleman. People were off. You know, it's a fluke. It was a one-time thing. And then that got expanded because he made the decision that he wasn't going to be competing after the Olympics. That was his last race of the 2021 season. And so everyone now is like, yeah, that was a fluke. He's scared to lose. He doesn't want to go up again because he doesn't want to show that he's actually not as good as he is. That's what everyone was saying. That's what everyone was thinking outside of it. And then he comes to indoors and he's hearing the same types of things. Christian Coleman's back. He's dropping some crazy times and people are still saying it's Coleman that's going to win. Coleman's going to win. Coleman's going to win. And we get to the world championships. And so the world championships, it's going to be slated as the top potential three being Lamont Jacobs, uh, Marvin Bracey Williams, and um, Christian Coleman. Those are going to be the top three guys. Everyone kind of knew it. It was just, what's the order going to be? And you're seeing everyone saying that Christian Coleman's going to win. A lot of Marvin Bracey's going to win. Not very many Lamont Jacobs, even though he's coming in as what should be the favorite by winning the 100 last year. Uh, And this proved that it was going to be an exciting race the entire way. Uh, In the prelims, Marvin Bracey, this was his second race or second competition of his his indoor season. He was hurt and wasn't able to compete at anything until USA's. He drops a 646 in prelims. Uh, It's the fastest time of the day and it's a personal best. And then in the semis, Jacobs drops a 6.45, and it's the fastest time, and it's another PR. And so now, going to the finals, we're seeing, you know, it's these, these three guys. And in this, during this time, Coleman, he had ran like a 6.51 and everything, so pretty fast, but nothing crazy. And so we get to the final. And man, was it close. And when I say it's close, like this went down past the thousandth of a second. So Lamont Jacobs ends up winning with a time of 6.41. And then Coleman comes in second with a time of 6.41. And then Marvin Bracey with a time of 6.44. They had to go down to the to the thousandth. They saw that Lamont Jacobs ran a 6.407 while Coleman ran a 6.41. So 0.0. 
difference in the winner and what came in second place. That's an eyelash, pretty much. Like, it doesn't get much closer than that when it comes to a competition. And it was extremely exciting. It actually took, like, three or four minutes for them to decide who actually won because they kept having to go back to the tapes. And if you look at a few different images, some people think, uh, is it true that Jacobs actually won? It kind of looks like Coleman won. Because there's a few images that show where they're leaning at the line. And if you line up where their chests are, it looks like Coleman is actually ahead of uh, Jacobs. And I'm, I'm not sure. It looks like the line that they had posted on there might be on their shoulder. And it's actually on the chest. And so uh, Coleman's, because he kind of runs side to side. Uh, it looks like he just they just caught him when he was running side to side, and it might have been a shoulder, which is a head of the chest. Um, but it was an insanely great race. I mean, this you could really kind of see if just based off of who was the most calm and cool and collective and had the best form, Jacobs was that. Uh, you see Bracey and Coleman, they're really kind of fighting and gnarling to, to maintain their form and everything, where... You look at Jacobs, I mean, dude is cool as a cucumber. He gets up, he maintains his form, and he just runs through the line and wins it. And so now it's like, are, when are people going to start respecting this guy? I mean, he's won the Olympics. He's won the world indoors. Are, when is this guy who should be the favorite actually be considered the favorite, at least here in the United States? Because he's running crazy times and he's winning on the biggest stages. And when that come, when you're saying who is the best runner, who is the fastest runner in the world right now, I mean, those are the two things you want. Consistent runners and the ones that win when it matters the most. Because if you can win, but it doesn't matter, or you can run fast, but it doesn't matter, does it really mean anything? No. But he can do it, and he's doing it consistently, and he's doing it a lot, and people need to start respecting him, myself included, because this guy is fast, and he is really fast, and I'm excited to see what he's going to be doing in outdoors, because if, if he continues this through, I mean, if he wins outdoors, shoot. What are we? USA's in trouble. I mean, USA hasn't won a sprinting gold in a while now. I mean... We missed out on the 60 here. We missed out on the 400. We missed out on the sprints in the Olympics. I mean, it's been since 2019 since USA has won a sprinting gold, um, at least on the men's side. Uh, so it's it's tough. Uh, now let's go and transition over to the women's 60. And we had a lot of excitement here as well. And so winner coming out of the eighth lane, Kambuji of Switzerland runs a 6.96 national record. It's her first major championship win as well. Uh, second place, we saw Micaiah Briscoe get second with the PR time of 6.99. And then Mary Beth Sant Price runs, uh, gets third place with the time of 7.04. And so you'll see uh, Iwa Sabota, who was the presumptive favorite, actually out of this. She got fourth place. She ran a 7.06. Uh, and Kombuji like, Kombu looked really good. I mean, she's been having a sneaky good year or a sneaky good while. Like, ever since the Olympics, I mean, she's been running really fast. I mean, six of her last nine 100-meter races from the Olympics on had been... Ooh, excuse me, sub 11. So she had been running sub 11 for a long time. She's got a lot of sub seven ones uh, this year in indoors as well. 
And so she's just been having a really sneaky good year, but she's not one of those major names, uh, which she definitely should be, because uh, she hasn't had that major championship win yet. And so now she gets that. And I'm excited to see how this is going to translate into outdoors with the 100. Really great to see Briscoe also uh, come in second. This has been, uh, she's had six straight races of being 7.09 or lower. So she's been running very, very fast, very consistently as well. And then Sant Price, uh, eight of her last nine races have been at 7.08 or better. And during the World Championship, she actually ran faster in every single round. So you're trending in the right direction there. And it was a really close, uh, really close race between all of these ladies. Uh, there, I, I think it, once again, it just comes down to who's who's going to be better on the day. No one had any noticeable like, oh, you slipped, oh, you did bad. It just seemed like the those were the three that had the best that were able to put the best races together, uh, and it was it was very exciting to see. Uh, so Kabuji with the win, um, is she going to be able to get top three in outdoors? Man, I don't know. Outdoors is going to be really close because you're going to be having a lot more competition out there. Obviously, you're going to have the Jamaicans. Uh, you're going to be getting uh, a whole lot of, of different. Shikari Richardson, obviously, is going to be there. Um, and I'm sure a lot of these other ladies are going to be upping their game as well. So can she get top three? I don't think she's going to be able to, but she's definitely going to be in the final. Uh, that's for sure. She'll probably be in that, that top five range. Uh, next, so we had two world records going down here at the World Championships, and those are always the things that you like to see. I mean, putting on uh, the best performance ever to be seen at the biggest meet of the year, it doesn't get much better than that. And the best part is both of these jumps happen on the very last jump of either the event or the entire competition as a whole. And so Yulimar Rojas, triple jumper, she jumps the world record 15.74, which was just crazy. She she shatters her own world record, and it's it was an awesome experience thing. I mean, she won the competition on the very first jump of the night with a 15.15. She's just light years ahead of everyone. I mean, the second place lady uh, only jumped to 14.74, so the competition was over before it even began. And then she just she's just going to have fun. So you're you're comp you're competing loose. You you don't have much you know craziness to go for. You've got the win now. Just kind of go out there and have fun. And she puts together an amazing performance. And it it was cool because if you watch it, she's getting the crowd into it. She's getting the clap going. She's got a lot a big personality. After the jump, when she's still waiting to hear what the official number is, like she's still hyping up the crowd, like saying, oh, wait, let, let's see what it's going to be. And those are the type of things that we need in track and field. Like, let's get more personality into it. And it's great to see these athletes having fun. It gets the fans in, invested. And, I mean, talking about the fans, I mean, the they put on a fantastic meet. It, it looks like there was an entirely full arena. It, was it looked like what would be a standard basketball arena here in the United States, like professional arena. There was a lot of people that were there. Uh, and, it, and it was completely full. They had a really good presentation. They had different lights going on, introducing the four by fours and, and introducing the athletes. And that was really cool to see. So Belgrade put on an awesome show for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, she, she was pumping the crowd up. Awesome competition and excited to see how she's going to continue in outdoors. That 16 meter mark, very, very close. I'll be interested to see if she's able to break that 16 meter mark. And then next, we're going to continue with our world records. We have Mondo Duplantis, who jumped a new world record with in, in the pole vault with a leap of 6.20 meters. Another thing, like we said, this is on the very last attempt. So he had 
really won the competition very, very easily. And right now, that's kind of the name of the game. I mean, with those two athletes, it's really win the competition and then go and try something that no one's ever done in, in your life. Like, those two, uh, uh, let me think, like, what other athletes are really in that, like, league of their own when it comes to that? Grant Holloway, like, that's another guy. So, like, just completely untouchable. And so, um, Mondo, he's going through this entire thing. I mean, it's a four hour long competition. There's a lot of delays with standards. Uh, for those that don't know, typical comp competition is about two hours long. And so this was about double that. And he's not jumping a lot. I mean, he only had three or four jumps going into his world record attempt. Uh, and so he wins it with a jump of 605, pushes the bar to 620. Uh, his first two jumps weren't really jumps. He didn't even swing up on them. He just goes up and stops. And then his last jump, he goes up, swings, clears the bar, and it just he it moved a, a little bit, but it was an easy, easy clearance for him. Uh, it looked like it was kind of just standards wise of where where it was, but he clears it, goes crazy, just goes mad, has a lot, has a really fun time, and this guy's breaking world records back to back. Remember, he did this just not not too long ago in Belgrade with his jump of six point one nine, and so. He's just the, the real definition of, of what you want your, your vaulters to be. You want to have a very clean jumps through your entire competition. And then once you get to that uh, world record bar, go up and, and clear it. So he, he's super fun to watch. I mean, and is, is just just a great, great competitor. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he'll be able to do outdoors. I mean, because obviously he's just, it's him versus the bar. He doesn't have to worry too much about all these other competitions right now. And uh, I'm wondering like, what's the world record going to be by the end of this year? I mean, obviously it's only going to be going up by one centimeter now uh, because that's how world records go. They only go up by one centimeter in the vertical jumps. And so how many times will he break it? I bet you he's going to break it two more times and will be 622. By the end of uh, by the end of the year, so 6:22 is my guess uh, of what it'll be um, for the world record there. And so uh, now, I want to go over to something that was just a crazy story, and many people weren't actually able to watch it. It was the definition of grit, really. So the United States, they're doing the four x four. This is one of the obvious, you know events that the U.S. is traditionally very, very good at. And this is on the men's side of things. Uh, if you're watching here in the United States, it was happening around 6 a.m. or maybe even earlier, depending on where it is you live in the U.S. And so the first three competitors are going through, um, and they're, they're, they're doing well. So it was, uh, what, what was it, Noah Williams and uh, Donovan Brazier, and then somebody else, not not Trevor, not Trevor Bassett. He had run the 400 the day before, tired. He was probably just saving it for potentially the finals. And so Isaiah Harris is going. He ran in the 800, obviously didn't do as well as he wanted to in the 800. I think he got seventh place after being one of the top finishers in the semis. And so he's running, comes through the first lap. He's in second place right now. And um, there's now 170 meters to go or so. And um, he, he's going to make the, the curve to, to do on the, the last lap. And he, like, has a misstep. And everyone's like, oh, God, what's going on? And you can see in his face he visibly is in a lot of pain right here. He's just really not 
feeling well. And he's running and he's like kind of half running, half limping and finishes and continues the race. And then after that, he's like holding his leg in agony and he's clearly in a ton of pain. We find out that he pulled a muscle. It looks like potentially he pulled a hamstring or something in his quad. And it's just like the definition of grit, man. I mean, this guy, he was hurt and was clearly in a lot of pain here and was going at the point of the race where he could have easily stopped. I mean, but he was like, no, I want to give my team the opportunity to potentially make it into the final. I'm not going to be the guy that doesn't do that. And so I'm still going to run this 400, even though he had freaking pulled his hamstring in the last lap of this thing. And almost anyone else is just dropping out. They're not doing it. But he decided to continue to fight through and still runs a 48. This man ran a 48 on a pulled hamstring. Most people can't even walk with a pulled hamstring, let alone run, let alone run a 48 second 400 meters. And so he was just the definition of gritty and saying, I'm a team player guy. I'm going to win this. I'm going to do as much as I can. And he put themselves in a, in a position. I mean, he finished in second place. Uh, if he didn't get hurt, they would have easily made the finals, but he gets hurt and they, they miss out by about, you know, one second or so, which is definitely the difference in him being healthy and, and him not. And it, it stinks. I mean, you hate to see the injuries, especially him. He wanted to come back, have a really big day because he wasn't able to do as well as he wanted to in the 800, but that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. And so it, it really stunk, but it was, it's exciting to see, uh, hopefully he'll exciting to see as in, I'm excited to see how he does next year. I wasn't excited to see the injury at all. That's not what I meant, but, um, looking forward to seeing when he'll be able to, to come back out. Uh, I have no idea how bad the injury is yet. It hasn't been reported on, on what the injury actually was yet. And so I'm keeping the fingers crossed that it's nothing too serious and he'll be able to come back hopefully within the next, you know, few weeks, maybe months, and then be able to, to be a real problem here for USA's and, and make a world championship team. Cause he's someone that I've been excited, excited to watch for a long time now, ever since Penn state. And so uh, I'm hoping he's able to, to come back with a vengeance here. Uh, next want to go on over to Grant Holloway. So this guy is another person that is playing in a league of his own. There is nobody here that is even able to come remotely close to Grant Holloway. Uh, you can actually see there was a picture of him when he ran his world record time. He tied his world record of 7.29 and it's him and then everyone else. He's already halfway over the hurdle and everyone else hadn't even gone over or even gotten yet to starting to go over the hurdle. He's got like a meter lead on this, on the entire field. And he's just like so freaking good, man. I mean, he, after his, his race, he had an interview and, and he's just saying like, yeah, I'm here to put the world on notice. Like I'm here to be, you know, that guy. I want everyone to know that when they come to race, they're racing for second and I'm here and I'm going to win it. And that's exactly what he's been doing. I mean, this has been 57, 58 races straight of the 60 meter hurdles where he's been the champion. And so now we got to see how is this going to translate to outdoors? I mean, he's very, very clean over the hurdles. He's very good, obviously, at it. But I'm sure he still has in the back of his mind at the Olympics, he didn't win. He just didn't have 
the, his best race together. And I know that that's what he's thinking about because when you're this good you're and you're winning every single race, but the one time that it's the Olympic race is the biggest time you don't get it. I know you're thinking of it. And I know that's going to be huge momentum as he goes to the world championships this year of saying, I'm not letting that happen again. That time that I messed up, that's the last time I'm messing up. That's not going to happen again to me. And he's super, he's super exciting. I mean, it, it's, it's great to see. Obviously, bald Grant Holloway is the best version of Grant Holloway. He's the untucked jersey Kyrie Irving. He's the hoodie mellow. Uh, he's the, the jersey bike Kobe Bryant. He's all of these things <laughs> put together. And so, extremely fantastic runner. He didn't hit any of them. He's just so smooth and a uh, fantastic race. I mean, he ran a 7.39. Second place, uh, Pascal of France with a 7.5. And then Jared Eaton of the United States with a 7.53. So very, very good competitor for sure. And now want to kind of switch gears here. So these were two of the athletes that many people, myself included for one of them, had put these guys at untouchable rank. So the only thing that could really stop these guys from winning were themselves. And we saw this past weekend, it's not the case. Uh, and so with the, we're going to start with Ryan Krauser. So Ryan Krauser was one of those guys. He had won 29 straight competitions. Uh, this what he last time he had lost was October 19th at the world championships outdoors in, in Doha. And so he comes to the competition and his very first throw is a 2244. It was the meet record. And for almost all intents and purposes, if you throw the meet record on your first throw, you're probably like, all right, that's it. Game over. I've won. We're, we're pretty much done here. Uh, and for the most part it was for, for a while, but on the third attempt, so two attempts had then gone by, uh, Darlan Romani, uh, of Brazil throws a 2253 and actually edging out, uh, Ryan Krauser on, on, on that third attempt. And so now obviously the Krauser, they, he still has three attempts to go four five and six, just like all of the major finals. Uh, on the first throw, he, he, on his fourth throw, he throws a 2232 on his fifth throw. He gets a no mark and then on his last throw he gets a 2193 and Krauser has fallen it, this guy he, he he lost for the the first time since 2019 and it's it's like wow that's huge like this is a guy that was head and shoulders above everybody else in these competitions and when you throw the meat record on the first throw where everyone that's watching as well as I'm sure Ryan Krauser to an extent was thinking, all right, that's over. We're, we're done. Krauser's got it. Okay. We can go home now. But Romani was like, no, that's not it. I'm still going to have a crazy day. And, uh, you know, it, does this mean that Krauser's not as good as everyone had thought he was? No, not at all. Like he's still one of the like most untouchable athletes right now. And I bet you he's going to continue to go on a crazy streak right after this meet. So yeah, sure. He, he lost the world indoor championship and I'm sure it's going to sting, but it's only going to fuel his fire even more because now it's like, uh, all right, I'm not Superman. I'm not, I, I, I can lose. And so I'm sure now he's like, all right, we're, we're got to make sure that that doesn't, that doesn't happen again. So, um, Krauser taking the L surprising, surprising for sure. And then uh, let's finish this up with the 1500, Jakob Ingerbritsen. So 
He took a loss to Samuel Tefera, uh, who ran a 332.77, which was a new meet record. Jakob Ingerbritsen runs a time of 3.33. And uh, it was wild because everyone kind of thought that this guy also was going to be the, the guy that can't be beat. There's a lot of people saying, okay, not only is Jakob Ingerbritsen going to win, but how many seconds is he going to win by? Like, that's how confident many people were. And for much of the race, he was leading. Uh, I mean, Kip Sang uh, took out with uh, took out the lead very quickly, and then Jakob Ingerbritsen overtook that for much of the race and was leading for, for much of it. I mean, we actually had a watch party uh, to do this with uh, Clayton Murphy, the Olympic and he broke down this competition saying yeah I mean he he looked good but you know when you're when you're leading the race for that long you're you're trying to keep tabs on all the people behind you while the people that are just behind you like Tafara who was in second place for this he was able to just keep tabs on on one guy he doesn't have to really worry about everyone and then he once he saw that it was time to make a move with that last curve he he pulled out in front of him and Jakob wasn't able to respond, and game over, GG's. And so it was a very, very good race, uh, tactical race run by Samuel Tafara. And um, it, it, it's it's something that, you know, everyone thought Jakob Ingerbritsen can't be beat, but there we go. He was actually, uh, he actually lost. And so overall, fantastic competition for Worlds. Definitely liked it if we're looking at any potential differences it would just be the viewing like would have been great if it was all on cnbc and not just peacock um that's just me being selfish always you 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 want things to be a little bit a little bit easier for yourself but uh it was definitely a good very well put on uh put on meat Uh, i did not it it got annoying a little bit where all the really great competitions were kind of spread out but i mean that's that's what you got to do so people aren't just turning into to one thing you're you're turning into the whole you're tuning into the whole thing. And uh, that's going to be it. We're going to call it there for our this episode of Track World News. If you want more content, go and follow us over on Instagram. We post content pretty much daily. If you're watching this, we're also watching this when it releases. We also are doing a March Madness style bracket for track and field teams on who is the actual best track and field team. We put the 64 best pretty much uh, just the same way that they pick for the NCAA championship. Uh, and then we, we putting them out head to head. If you're listening to this when it's releasing, we're finishing up day, uh, or ra- the round of 32 right now. So if you would like to participate in that or the sweet 16, the lead eight final four championship, all that, make sure you tune in. Uh, we're doing one round a day at, at this point. Uh, that's going to be it for me here. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>